that story. Gee whiz, I hate to hear such terrible stories of complete humiliation. Nothing, nothing is worse than to see a fellow human being completely humiliated. I mean, you know, that's terrible. Oh, you know, that's so sad. I wonder if there's any old line readers of the Village Voice listening tonight. I'm, I'm talking about readers who read the voice back in its very exciting formative days. Uh, there may be a few still listening. But back in the early days of the voice, all kinds of great, wild, interesting stuff appeared. You know, it was, it was a very curious development that paper was at the time. And uh, I used to write regularly for the voice, along with a lot of other people. And I remember writing a piece in the voice, uh, one of the columns I did uh, back in the days when the voice was still, uh, nobody really knew much about it. It was, uh, in fact, in those days, the village voice was being given away. Uh, we used to go out uh, on the nights when the voice, we'd get the voice from the printing press, and a few of guys uh, who were involved with the voice, and there weren't many at that time, but we used to go out and actually put the voice in cars that were parked down around Sheridan Square. See, like you, you throw them away, you know, like you, <laughs> you just stick them in windows of cars, like uh, like the shopping news or something, see, so people would read it. Well, I wrote a piece back in those days of uh, uh, about predicting in the piece. It was, it was really just a mood piece, but predicting that ultimately the country, America, would discover, because I felt very strongly about it, and I still do. Now, of course, now that it's come to pass, you're going to find a lot of people just not even admitting they never they never followed it. But this was a long time ago. This was back in the heyday, even before the Beatles made it. You know, this was, uh, this was back in the heyday of... Uh, well, Nat H it was back in, so far back that Nat Hentoff was still listening to Teddy Wilson. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I uh, 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 yeah, you know, it's the truth. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, it was back in the days when 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 uh, guys like Hentoff were still writing about jazz, and I, I, uh, I predicted in a piece in the in the Voice. The reason I, I'm mentioning this is that is that somebody uh, clipped out out of an old Village Voice this ancient yellowed clipping of this column and sent it to me a couple of days ago, and I had even forgotten that I had written this thing, and it was a piece predicting that ultimately uh, the, the really hip people in the country would discover with a fantastic vengeance American country-western music. Now, that column, I remember now, it all came back to me, that column was greeted with a great blank void <laughs> because in those days... Uh, practically, well, and not practically, everybody I knew who considered themselves totally with it would not have been found dead with uh, with country western music and uh, the idea of oh, you know, this is a, this is a, just completely uh, something uh, the Bible Belt and all the rest of it, uh, and you didn't listen to this stuff, no way. Well, I, I predicted that, and I and I mentioned some some performers in this piece that people would discover ultimately. And uh, who are some of those performers? Are you curious who some of them were that I mentioned in the piece? Buck Owens. 
among others. At that time, Buck Owens was just a guy that was <laughs> working bad bars around around places like Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. See, and, and well, now the reason I guess I, I'm not trying to pretend that I had any omniscience or anything like that, although it is true that I did in this case. It was because I I believed at the time, and I still do believe that that uh, that that the rising. Uh, the rising uh, tide of nationalism, which is very definitely part of our country today, you can call it what you want. You can call it isolationism. You can call it uh, let's repair our own fencesism. Uh, you can call it the, many, many things would ultimately result in the discovery of all things American, not European oriented, but American. See, and I, and I, uh, I knew that that country western music at the time, and I had I came out of that tradition. By the way, this is for those of you who are curious about the jews harp. Uh, it it it's a difficult instrument, and I I keep saying that to you, and people keep writing letters again saying, no, it isn't difficult if he can only learn how to put it right against his teeth, he could learn it and all that. This is not true. Uh, and I I used to play from the time I was a kid. I played in country western groups, playing the jews harp as a pro, <laughs> and singing country western and playing the bass and i worked in a lot of country western groups and I, and i knew that the fantastic vitality of this music and i also knew that that the that the basic honesty of it would ultimately cut through the you might say the commercial professional music that was the big thing of the day it's hard to believe at that time people like uh, oh, more Al Martino were the biggest thing since you know the bottle beer chubby checkers people like uh, you know great talents like uh, Eddie Fisher this this is what people really thought was fantastic uh, performing well well uh, you know it was a pure nightclub pro- professional thing and it was a very different kind of milieu that they worked in I'm not putting those guys down but they were pure pro showbiz whereas the country western guys really were one with their audience it's very difficult to explain that to somebody who hasn't experienced it so i wrote this piece and i remember talking to a couple of guys in in uh, the village voice office at the time among them hentoff who were absolutely scornful of this this is ridiculous you mean to tell me he he predicted in fact a lot of predicted that ultimately as we get more and more civilized in our country that this stuff would disappear because it's so basically bad news well they've all forgotten saying those things naturally and now they're on the bandwagon and writing as if they for years have been listening to buck owens and merle haggard and all the rest of it and i also wrote a an a, a, a companion piece about that if i may say this i don't often talk about stuff i've written in the past but i wrote see i think that that when you write something or you perform something or you say something if it is said well before its time, it will be lost completely. Nobody's, because the people who hear you think, well, this guy's just talking. It's just, uh, it, it, it's called, he's a nut, some kind of nut. This is just uh, gibberish. Uh, if you say something just before the public discovers it, like, say, two days, you will be called a genius. <laughs> if you're too early, you'll be called some kind of nut. Uh... And I, I have been, I've been going around saying for a long time that country western music would not only be a big thing, but would be the biggest thing. 
in uh, the pop field of music in America within a few short years. Well, it's you know here it is. It's a fact now. And I even see guys driving around who just a couple of years ago were obviously uh, going to the Stones concerts and just a couple of years ago were, were uh, totally in love with uh, the Beatles are now driving around with bumper stickers that say Chet Atkins for God, you know, that kind of stuff, which is kind of silly, which shows again that uh, it's being subverted, which it will ultimately be. But nevertheless, uh, uh, there was a companion piece. Is this interesting to you guys? There was a companion piece that I wrote the next week in The Voice that was about something which is slowly coming to pass, too. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's not as evident to many people, but it is becoming a big thing. I predicted eventually that the cities would become so, that is particularly New York, would become so alienated from the rest of the country, both philosophically and artistically, that ultimately people within New York would be listening to radios uh, driving out at night on the New Jersey Turnpike and hearing radio stations all over the country, and they would be hearing a, a, a population. They would be hearing uh, things. They would be hearing a civilization, literally, which is totally alien to theirs. And they would be listening to it almost the same way they listen to a foreign country. That, uh, that a kid who's grown up entirely in the Bronx listening to a radio station from Austin, Texas, is roughly about like you know being Swiss, uh, listening to an Indonesian radio station. It's a completely different ball ball of wax. They do not come from the zero Mostel fiddler on the roof tradition. No way. It's a whole different thing. Well, that's really come to pass. And you know that one of the biggest uh, new developments in the field of of electronics recently has been the sudden upsurge of uh, of radio sets with a very hot front end that can pick distant broadcasts up. For years, you know, radio sets back in the 50s and 60s were made purely just to get the local station. That's all. Radio was called news. It was called music and temperature. That's it. And all you had to do was get the local station. You heard, the, you know, whatever the rock was that was on at the time, and you got the news, and, and that was all radio was for. But now there's a whole group of people who are discovering radio as a, as a basic form of of communication and they're listening to out-of-town stations all over the country which are suddenly getting great listening audiences in New York that's fascinating used to be the other way around used to be that the that the out-of-town guys say guys living in Nashville or Atlanta would spend all their time trying to pull in New York because New York had all but you know this is what they wanted to try to hear but now it's the other way around guys are sitting there listening to Nashville and they're sitting sitting there in their pads over in the village with the you know where they got an antenna up on the roof and they're trying to pull in Atlanta and they're trying to pull in uh, Waco Texas and stuff because uh, this is where the real thing is going on they're only getting the second rate thing here in New York it's very interesting I predicted that in in uh, the village voice and I I uh, the hottest thing today in TV and radio sales is the radio set that can get has a hot front end can pick up distant stations as well as shortwave bands uh... this this uh... this is transcending uh, the old idea of getting a set that just had am fm now the whole idea is to be able to say listen for two or three hours at night to uh... radio jakarta uh, listen for a half an hour every night to hear what the BBC is saying, uh, the BBC News, which is 
traditionally been listened to all over the world by Englishmen and uh, people in the provinces. So now we're catching up with that. Now we're beginning to see this. Very interesting development. And uh, the other night, for example, see, I've always said that one thing that you get out of country western music, something you never got out of, uh, out of uh, commercial music, and that includes mostly rock, too, uh, is that, is that the, the, the guys that are working in C&W generally reflect attitudes of people around them uh, in a curiously ingenuous way, they really will do this. Uh, so, so Merle Haggard singing, "I'm an Oki from Fanoki, I'm an Oki from Muskogee," and uh, <laughs> and and then, well, I'm proud of it. This is a this is a, a, a very common feeling in areas like that. Uh, and 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 so the the piece of music made absolute sense to those people around there, and it does. You, and if you want to know something, I'm going to listen to these things. On the other hand, if you if you uh, the commercial music. Uh, really doesn't have much contact with the people that is being sung about or or uh, even the milieu in which it's supposedly sung. For example, it's a very common thing in showbiz music, Tin Pan Alley, so-called, for two little guys from Fordham Road to sit down, Hey, Manny, what do you say when you write a song about the South? Uh, let's see, how about this? Oh, Alabama bound. Oh, I'm Alabama bound. You know, they, nothing to do with, with, with the way it is in, in Alabama, whether people would ever go there that way, you know. And so it's all, it's a commercial thing. Now, I'll give you an example of that. I don't know why I'm doing this tonight. Now, for any of you who travel a great deal, you know that, that ideas are spoken through country western songs much clearer than the so-called folk songs. Folk songs are generally about lost loves. <laughs> They're generally, a, which in a sense is what commercial music. That's why the people who came out of commercial music, you know, who were weaned from Eddie Fisher and the Beatles, were very commercial music, were, were the first thing they took up was the so-called folk song, which dealt with the same things. The folk song often deals about a lost love, uh, the Barbara Allen. Uh, they're very romantic, and they, they deal with... Uh, with uh, things which, in, in a sense, uh, always have been dealt with in commercial music. Love, uh, loneliness, and all the rest of it. They don't really speak of uh, many. And the folk songs that did speak of the specific issues have long since disappeared uh, in, the, in the library. Now, here's an example of a, of a piece of music that really says what large parts of the country are feeling. Curious uh, statement of uh, philosophy. This is not just a piece of commercial music because it says what a lot of people are really thinking. Years ago, this idea was not popular in the rest of the country. In fact, it was the reverse. But the, listen to this piece of music and see what I mean about this reflecting a large area of the country. So uh, swing into it there. There you go, Al. This, by the way, is Buck Owens. It ain't nothing but a concrete jungle With people packed like sardines Where everybody's trying To live beyond their means Where all the natives hurry And scurry to and fro And like fleas on dog they got no place to go 
I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang town Talk about a bummer It's the biggest one around Sodom and Gomorrah Was tamed to what I found I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang town Well, I ain't seen the sunshine Since the day that I arrived Cause, brother, I've been busy I trying to survive Nobody knows you've been here Till you're six feet underground And you become a statistic If they remember to write you down I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang town Talk about a bummer It's the biggest one around Sodom and Gomorrah Has tamed what I found I wouldn't live in New York City If they gave me the whole dang <laughs> now, of course, that's uh, that ain't going to be a popular sentiment here. But all I'm, I'm doing is playing this to show you that that uh, that this is this is a real statement of an actual thing. It's, it has nothing to do with love, beauty, truth. It has nothing to do with uh, with uh, a lost. Uh, a lost youth. Uh, uh, it just simply says what a lot of people think. And uh, now there's there's an example of the of the curious uh, vitality of this music. Now vitality does not necessarily mean you like it. Uh, in fact, it's probably I'm, I know tomorrow morning I'm going to get a fifty letters. I, you know, dear Shepherd, what do you mean by foisting off that uh, ridiculous illiterate? It's all right down the line. Therefore, again, missing the point of what we're trying to say that uh, this is a form of, of music which has a, has a, a very definite, distinct ring of, of uh, saying what is around at the time that it is around. Of course, there's a large body of, of uh, C&W music which deals with the usual things, with love and, and so forth. Uh, but, for example, I know of no body of music that is in the popular idiom that deals as strongly with alcoholism as, say, country-western music. Because you know that there's a lot of country-western songs that are about alcoholism and the problem of, of becoming an alcoholic? Did you know that? Uh, you, you'll not find much of this in rock. <laughs> and yet, even though it's a fantastic problem, you won't find much of this in... Uh, and certainly you'll not find any of it in, in pop music, very few references even made to it. And yet, in C&W music, they recognize this as a fact. Uh, bars are, are, are a great part of the C&W world. Uh, making it is another one, too. 
Uh, so, <laughs> and and I I'm just uh, I'm just very very interested in in a lot of the changes that are going on where people are suddenly discovering, in a sense, a real sense, their own heritage. Now you live in New York. Uh, a lot of people tend to think that that isn't their heritage. Well, that's questionable. Uh, uh, that that uh, New York and certainly New York is as much part of the country as Austin, Texas, and it's 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 a heritage which the many people, many kids don't have the same chauvinism about New York that older people have. That's the you might say the the holdover from the LaGuardia period where people used to think that New York was the greatest thing since uh, since bottled beer or sliced bread, uh, but. Uh, Many kids today uh, are seeing the rest of the country through very different eyes, which is very healthy. I think <laughs> it's it's suddenly realizing this is a big country, and 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 there are many things going on in the country which are not necessarily ant- antithetical to uh, your tastes. They're just merely very different. And uh, I, I fascinating though to see the development. To me, it's personally very gratifying too, because I've always felt that C and W music was one of the great neglected parts of our our uh, our cultural background and heritage but nevertheless i do feel strongly that uh, that there are great uh, rediscovery in fact i think that a lot of kids today a lot of people today uh would much prefer spending a vacation let's say driving through uh new mexico arizona and kansas than they would say to take a vacation in uh in uh, the French Riviera, which is an earlier generation's attitude of a great vacation. Do you buy that, Al? That's a whole new viewpoint. Uh, A lot of people used to take vacations to places like that because they couldn't go anywhere else. Uh, But with an affluent society, you have choices. You know, uh, I uh, talking about the country western types, uh, I some of the some of the shows I used to work a lot with these guys. I, in fact, uh, one of the first live shows I did when I was still a teenager on uh, TV and radio at the time was to was to do a show. I uh, did a show that was pure <laughs> was sponsored by Purina Chick Chow, and it, it 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 the whole idea of it was was teenage C and W types. It was a teenage C&W show. I got, I really got into this thing, and I, I played, uh, as I said, I played the Jews harp in the group, and I also sang, and I also played the bass. Uh, and and almost everybody who plays C&W music, who involved, I'm talking about it from the performing standpoint, plays several instruments. Very few of them are single instrument types, and it's quite common to find. A C and W performer who can play the piano, who can play the guitar, who can play uh, a good jazz harp, who can play the banjo, uh, who can do it all, because it's the kind of performing that demands that. Uh, that that uh, every little group, three or four guys would do the singing. You know, would sing each. Uh, they each had their own things they did, and then the other guys would play back up to them. So everybody had to be really. Uh, flexible. <laughs> there was no no way of saying, well, no, I just play the piano. No way. So you take guys like Jerry Lee Lewis, who, by the way, comes out of C&W. Uh, he plays practically everything. Wayne Newton, uh, who was originally a C&W singer and a good one, but particularly a fantastic banjo player. 
uh, plays banjo, plays guitar, plays piano, anything that's around, they play. Because from the very time you're a kid, you're playing these things. Very few of them take really legitimate lessons in these things, and it's all endemic to the, to the atmosphere. Uh, some of the guys that I worked with uh, doing shows, oh, people like Furlan Husky, uh, Hank Penny, Hank Snow, uh, the late Cowboy Copas, uh, Grandpa Jones. By the way, Grandpa Jones was always using the term Grandpa Jones. That was, that was his act. Uh, that didn't make him an old man. He, he was, he was, it was an act. Uh, and, and he would always come out and do Grandpa Jones, uh, even when he was, in many cases, younger than the people in the audience. But it was an act. <laughs> and, and it became so successful that he, he was always known then as Grandpa Jones. Uh, people like uh, Hank Penny, uh, Merle Travis. I remember Merle Travis. Uh, almost all these guys wrote their own songs, a lot of them. And the reason they wrote songs, not only did they like to write songs, it was also part of their whole tradition, but it was cheaper, too, because you didn't have to go out and buy sheet music for a song you wrote yourself. <laughs> there was a very practical reason. So a lot of these guys would write their own songs because of economic reasons. And uh, and once in a while, one of them would get published and would go on to become a fantastic hit. Like, uh, I remember Merle Travis. Do you remember uh, cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women will make the de will be the death of you yet? <laughs> cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women. Well, this uh, this was uh, this was Merle Travis. And of course, a lot of the stuff that they sing uh, confused city listeners because they thought they were serious. See, one thing you got to understand about country, much of country humor, is it's absolutely deadpan. So, so when a guy would get up and sing with an absolutely dead look on his face, I mean, not only deadpan look, almost a pained look, and he would sing, and it, it'd sing it in this biblical voice, Cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women will be the death of me yet. Well, to the outside observer, he would hear this. He'd say, well, now you see, that shows how straight-laced these people are. Listen, he's against cigarettes and whiskey and wild, wild women. Whereas, actually, the audience recognizes that that was the one thing in his life he was for. But he was also stating a fundamental truth. It would be the death of him yet, as it often was. <laughs> and the wreck on the highway. You know, you, you just, you just, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a field that if you haven't really uh, spent much time listening to good C&W, and there is good and bad, that's the unfortunate fact of it. And unfortunately, most of the people first catch on to the commercial or the bad. So uh, they will immediately latch on to, and I'm not saying these guys are bad, but these are the more obvious performers. They'll latch on immediately to Glenn Campbell. They'll latch on to uh, Johnny Cash, people like this, who, who really, uh, in a way, are the Eddie Fishers of that world. They're, uh, they're not, <laughs> in no way are they the Merle Haggards, which is another ballgame. Unrepentant Merle Haggard, who uh, is by way of being a curious country-type genius in his own field. But all of these things, uh, it, it's fascinating to me. Well, do you recall a radio station? Yes, I see, Jerry. A radio station across the river here. I know. I know. I know. I see it. <laughs> a radio station across the river tried it a few years ago, C&W, and they failed miserably. Do you recall the station it was? Well, now they're doing quite well with it. See, the timing of an idea is important. Bring it up there. <laughs> By the way... <laughs> 
Yeah, well, of course, that kind of, there's, there's several types. Some night, I'm, what I ought to do some night is to do a, a show based on country comic acts. Yeah, now most of you know uh, most of you know the country western singers these days, and uh, you know ranging all the way from uh, Tom T. Hall through Chris Christopherson through uh, through uh, Merle Haggard, which is the alpha to the omega actually, but uh, very few of you know anything about String Bean, a uh, classic comic act of the of the folk. Uh, not really folk. You shouldn't call it that. The C&W circuit. They don't like to be called folk, you know. Because they're not. Uh, these are not the unspoiled folk who sat around and played mandolins. That's another ball game back in the hills. I think there's a great deal of confusion among writers today <laughs> about what C&W really basically is. It's basically city people, you know. That surprises you, doesn't it? Oh, Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the C&W bars, Nashville is not a small town, friend. Oh, no way. You think that's a country town, you ain't been there. Uh, it's, it's music that comes out of Nashville, it comes out of South Chicago, it comes out of places like Louisville, it comes out of places like Detroit and St. Louis, it comes out of places like Atlanta, places like uh, uh, New Orleans, all those places. And most of the guys that sing it and play it are involved very much in the technological world, you know, the, the truck drivers and all the rest of it. So I ought to do a thing some night on Mini Pearl, String Bean, and the country western uh, comedy acts.